I want to begin by asking you a question for you to think about and ponder. You shouldn't have any trouble answering it if you really think about it. And it's this. What says peace to you? Personally. What says peace to you? For me, coffee says peace to me. <laughs> A good cup of coffee is like, ah. Oh. But it, it's beyond that. It's not just drinking coffee. Making coffee. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it just kind of settles me down. I just enjoy making a good cup of coffee. Early mornings before anybody else gets up says peace to me. And I think I kind of clued into that when our girls were at home growing up and, you know, the girls is that they're up, there's conversation and, um, or at least with our girls anyway. And, uh, yeah, I learned if I get up before everybody else, there's those moments of quiet and like, ah, and the coffee. Uh, being in the woods says peace to me. Deep in the woods, by a stream, by a river. Oh, man, oh, man. What says peace to you? How about Christmas? You feeling that? You feeling that peace, right? That, get that peaceful, easy feeling. The eagles just serenade you all the way through the holidays, right? Probably not. And, but isn't that odd? Isn't that odd? Because that's like the theme, right? That's like one of the major themes. At least that's what the Christmas card says. At least that's what the decorations say and, and the lights say. Peace on earth, the angels proclaim to the shepherd. And so that's the theme of the season, right? And yet, it's not. Often, our takeaway experience. See, when I think peace and you think peace, we think tranquility and quiet. Harmonious. Things that are in harmony with one another. You think calm. Or an inner kind of settling assurance. Peace. And there's lots of great things in life. But there's not a lot of things in life that bring peace, unfortunately. And there's a lot of great things about Christmas. I mean, even the hectic stuff, right? I mean, and just we got to get gifts, we got to go there, we got the party, we got this schedule, we got that, we got this, and it's, oh, time's running out, and I can't believe it's only three weeks, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, there's so much good stuff there, but it's not often very peace-giving. So that's why we're doing this series. We're going to start today looking at the big picture of where this peace thing all started and what it's about. So when we come back next week, we're going to bring it down a little bit closer to reality and talk about how we experience peace in our relationships with each other, and especially during this time of year. What's that like and what's that about? And then before we're done, we're going to bring it down even more specific to you personally on the inside, your inner world, your mind and your heart. How do you experience peace there. So I want to begin with a big statement. 
Short sentence, big statement. In fact, you and I have no idea really just how big this is. It is so true that the mission of Jesus is actually a mission of peace. I mean, if you're going to look at the 30,000 foot view, if you're going to look at the big picture, the mission of Jesus is a mission of peace. In fact, it might be the best description of what the mission of Jesus is all about to describe it as a mission of peace. You say, well, what about love? Yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, that's a driving thing. God is love, right? But I mean, as far as actually what the mission of Jesus came to do in the earth, in our lives, because of his love, it was bring peace. Now, immediately, some of you are thinking, well, what about the justice of God? Yes, Jesus came to bring justice. And maybe there's some of you that are going, but what about judgment? I mean, judgment. I mean, you come set it right. Okay, yeah, 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 judgment. Judgment, that plays a part in it too, but consider this. Even the justice of God and the judgment of God, do you know what the end goal of God's justice and God's judgment is God's accountability. It's peace. So that the end result of God dealing with what needs to be dealt with and addressed is that we experience his peace. Now listen, this should not be a surprise to us, even though we often forget it and we often miss it. It's peppered throughout the entire Bible narrative. Old Testament, New Testament, the whole thing. I mean, it will blow your mind. If you put on the lens of, of looking for peace, you don't have to look far. It's everywhere. I mean, let me just give you a snapshot, just a quick survey. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, before the Messiah, the Savior of the world, came to earth, the prophet Isaiah gave us this. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And he will be called, talking about Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I mean, it's his name. It's baked right into the identification of who he is. And then he goes on of the greatness of his government or his kingdom or his reign or the way he does things, the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. You can't stop it. 500 years or so before Jesus was born, there was another prophet named Micah who actually was prophesying the fact that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the promised one, would be born in Bethlehem. How's that for specificity? I mean, just wow. 500 years before it happened, we see these words. But you, Bethlehem, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And then look what he says next. I love this. Talking about Jesus. His greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be our peace. It's not just he will talk about peace, he will bring peace, yes and yes. No, he is the essence of peace. He will be, he embodies it. It's who he is, not just what he does. I'm telling you, it's a mission of peace. And then the angels, before those scared shepherds, Right? Remember the angels? They, what they said? Peace on earth. There it is. That was part of the announcement. 
And fast forward a few decades later towards the end of Jesus' life, and one of the final conversations Jesus had with his closest followers, this is what Jesus told them right before Jesus was crucified. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And I do not give you as the world gives peace. He says, you, I came to bring peace. I'm leaving you with peace. Peace for me personally. But it's not the kind of peace that the world gives. It's not the way it works in the world system of peace. What could he possibly mean by that? I mean, let's consider. I mean, peace is a part of our conversation in the world, right? It's a part of the world. It's a part of the conversation of what people want and people are trying to strive for. But in the world system of peace, in order to bring peace in the world system, you have to remove all threats to peace. Remove all threats to peace and then the end result is peace, right? That's the way the world works. Jesus said, nah, I don't, I don't do things the way the world culture is going to do it. It's going to be different. You see, when Jesus brings peace, he doesn't remove the threats. He brings peace in the middle of the threats. In the middle of the threats. Because, see, he's the God of Psalm 23. May I remind us all who prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And if you're thinking, yeah, I love that. In spite of our enemies, in your face enemies, yeah. No, I'm not sure that's the best way to understand that. Could it be? Could it be that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies and then leaves an open seat at the table for them to join us? Because they're welcome too. Because that's what Jesus did, see? When Jesus showed up, that's what he did. In fact, he was known, he was criticized for being this guy who, who welcomed sinners and ate with people that nobody else ate with. No, see, when Jesus came, there was always a seat at the table, even for those who would consider themselves his enemy. Talk about a mission of peace. See, the way the world does peace is by force. We're going to come in and we're going, to, we're going to force you to experience peace. The way Jesus brings peace is with an invitation. Will you join me? Will you come to me? I will give you peace. And the world system of peace is very temporary. It's always until the next skirmish, squirmish. It's always till the next conflict. It's always to the next somebody, you know, the, the, the next election or the next whatever. you just the next... But Jesus' peace, that's eternal. It's a mission of Jesus. You cannot overstate this. It's a mission of peace. And when Jesus was on earth, he meant it too. I mean, he meant business. He just didn't talk about peace. Now listen, I'm giving you the big picture. You say, well, what's this got to do with me? Everything. But in order to understand how this interacts with my life and your life, we got to get a real clear picture of what Jesus, the one we say we follow, the one we say that, you know, yeah, I serve Jesus and I follow Jesus, what he's about. Because see, people, people attach, attach Jesus' name to a lot of things that Jesus ain't got nothing to do with. So we got to get this clear. When Jesus was on earth, he meant it. And he illustrated it. I mean, I think of that famous encounter in John chapter 8 where this adulterous woman was brought to Jesus by the authorities of the day. 
because she was caught in the act of adultery. He said, why are we talking about that again? Because that's a huge moment in Jesus's ministry. So many things were happening there. One of which, when they expected Jesus to lower the boom, he offered her peace. He said, nobody's going to be stoning anybody here today. All these cats, they're just as guilty as anybody else. They're gone. Nobody's here to condemn you. And sweetie, I don't condemn you either. Now, I want you to go and make better choices, but I'm not here to condemn you. Go, go in peace and make better choices. See, even in that moment, it just fast forward, just day, I mean, just periods later in the narrative, it's 10 chapters later in John 18, right before Jesus was crucified, he was arrested and Peter was there, at least at that moment, Peter was there before he, you know, hightailed it out of there. And when Jesus was arrested, we're told that Peter took out his sword and chopped off the ear of one of the soldiers that Jesus was being arrested by. Now, he wasn't going for the ear. He was probably going for the neck. I mean, you know, in combat, you're like, I'm going to cut your ears off. That's the Monty Python. I don't know. That, the knees. I know. I, I, get, I get it. But that's where my brain goes, right? That's a horrible accent. Sorry about that. Offend your family. No, he was going for the neck. Guy probably ducked. What did Jesus say? When Jesus saw Peter pull out his sword, did Jesus go, get him, boys? And go, I mean, he could have, right? Fight. Look, we're going to the mat right now. You're not taking me. No, what did Jesus do? Jesus reached down and picked up the guy's ear and put it right back on. Now, that we all know that's the medically correct sound of reattaching an ear. It just, yeah. Jesus' mission was peace. Fast forward, um, probably just like several weeks right after that, Jesus was getting ready to leave earth for the final time and ascend to heaven. And right there among his followers... They were like, in Acts chapter one, they were asking Jesus, is now the time? Is now the time for us to take over? Is now the time for us to establish your kingdom? Like, you know, kick butt and take names? I mean, this is it. Like, you, they killed you. We saw it. I mean, actually, we didn't. We were in hiding. But we came back when we saw that you were raised from the dead. And now you're back. And then here we go. Let's go. Let's do this. I mean, the Romans are going to get theirs. And everybody's going to know that you are the one. Can't keep a good man down. And we're with you. And Jesus said, no, we're not going to do that. Now it's not the time for that. That's not the mission. Here's the mission. You're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to tell people about me everywhere, and you're going to start in Jerusalem and then go to Judea and then Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the earth. We're going to go worldwide with this mission of peace. That's the next play. We're going to run. It's not about taking over. It's about infiltrating the world with his peace. See, this is not what they expected. Jesus' followers did not expect him to come with a mission of peace. And to be quite honest, it's probably not what they wanted. It, they didn't even want that. They wanted the Romans taken care of. They wanted um, conquest. They wanted combat. They wanted Jesus to achieve and establish his power and dominance. But make no mistake, Jesus was going to assert his power. But the way in which he did it was through peace, not through conquest. It's part of the good news. It's part of the good news. 
The gospel message is a gospel of peace. I, I hear the phrase in O Holy Night, the night of our dear Savior's birth, that line, my, one of my favorite lines in that beloved Christmas carol, his law is love and his gospel is peace. Yeah. It's a mission of peace. Now, a couple points of clarification real quick. You want to make sure you understand the peace that Jesus brings is not a passive thing. Instead, it's a pursuit. It's a pursuit of the way of Jesus. So what is the way of Jesus? It's the way of grace and truth. The way of Jesus is the way of justice and mercy. It's the way of forgiveness. It's the way of patience, all motivated because of God's love, all because of his love. This is the way of Jesus. But the way of Jesus is not weak. We think the peace that Jesus brings is weak and soft and passive and, and cushy. No, 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 no. We're not talking about being a pacifist here. We should be activists. Doing what? Pursuing the way of Jesus, which is the mission of peace. King David wrote about it in the Psalms, and Jesus is one of Jesus' closest followers, Peter. You know, the guy that, you know, the sword, ear off, that guy. He echoed this in 1 Peter chapter 3, that we are to seek peace and pursue it. You go for it. You look for it. You single it out. You, you watch for it. You seek for peace. You pursue it. Nothing passive about that. There's nothing soft and easy about that. But at the same time, it's not about being combative. It's not about being forceful. It's not about giving people a taste of their own medicine and returning, returning violence back on people. Saying, oh, if that's the way you want to play, two can play at that game. No, 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 that's not the way peace comes. See, peace is a result of the way of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit of God, Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Paul says, and ain't no law against any of that. That, ain't, that. that right there is the way you do it. That's the way you pursue peace. So it's not passive, it's an active pursuit of the way of Jesus. And let me give you another point of clarification. The peace that Jesus brings is not the absence of challenge, but the presence of the way of Jesus. It's not the absence of conflict. We got this whole idea that, okay, oh, peace means that everybody always agrees and everybody always sees eye to eye and everybody always gets along. No, no. No, because see, the way of Jesus often flies in the face and challenges the status quo. The way of Jesus often will fly in the face and be in conflict with the way things are in a home, in a marriage, in a family, in an in a, in a office environment, in a community, in a church, much less a country. No, see, the way of Jesus challenges the status quo. We look at the way of Jesus, and sometimes we have to walk into a situation and go, nope, we're not going to treat each other like that in this home. 
We're not going to talk to each other like that in this marriage. We're not going to do things the way the, the way the world, the culture does it. No, we're, we're going to pursue the way of Jesus at all costs, which is the way of peace. No, no, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to pursue the way of Jesus in this community. We're going to pursue the way of Jesus in this church. And we're going to do what we can to pursue the way of Jesus, which is the way of peace in this country. And if the Christians just got that right, you want to talk about change? And it doesn't come with a clenched fist and a riot and a protest or a march. It comes through living out, pursuing the way of Jesus. Because see, we got to remember our real enemy ain't each other. Your real enemy is not your neighbor. It's not that person in your family. It's not your ex. Your real enemy? No, 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 no. No, it's not the person you work with. You wish you didn't. No, it, it's not the person on the other side of the political aisle. It's not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. Your real enemy. The scriptures teach us it's not even flesh and blood. It's the evil one and the power of evil. We must remember that it's not about the pursuit of combat against one another. It's about actively pursuing the way of Jesus. Now, that brings up all kinds of questions. I get it. I get it. But let me try to bring this to a point where you can see it even more clearly. Because in our world today, we practically speaking, we, we still crave power and authority and control. We do. It's very seductive. It's very, very attractive. Power and authority. Who's in charge and who's strong? And who's in control? Who's calling the shots? And even Christians get sucked into that. Even the church gets sucked into that, right? Well, we want power. We want control. We want authority. And we want to tack Jesus' name onto it, right? 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 Yeah, yeah. In the name of Jesus. And we want to kind of take over. Understand this. When Jesus' way of peace is mixed with the world system of power, it is a confusing mess. And chew on that. When Jesus' way of peace gets mixed in and labeled with and aligned with the world system of power and authority and control and dominance and who's calling the shots, it is a big old mess and history proves this to be true. All we gotta do is just look back at history. I mean, every, every time you started aligning political power, government power, and authority, and, and parenthetically tack Jesus' name on it, oh, all kinds of abusive things start happening. And Jesus warned us of this. But see, as Christians, we get sucked right into it. We're like, we're ready to take over. We're gonna take, we're gonna take our country back for Jesus. Amen? No. That's what? What? And some of us are like, no, no, we just want Jesus to come back. We want Jesus to come back and get rid of everybody that disagrees with us. Yeah. We're back to Acts chapter 1. Let's just, Jesus, you come back and, and you get rid of the Republicans. And you get rid of the Democrats. 
and set up your kingdom and get rid of my and get rid of all those people that don't believe like we believe and worship like we worship and think what we think and, and live like we live. And, and, and yeah, yeah, Did Jesus come back and just take care of all them. But see, we've forgotten again that culture's not our enemy. Culture's not the enemy of Jesus. Do you know how Jesus sees culture? Do you know how you and I must see culture? As a mission field in which to pursue the way of Jesus. Now, does evil exist? Yes. Is evil present? Yes. Should we stand against evil? Absolutely. But do you know the best way to do that? Is not through a combative conquest in your face, clenched fist of power, control, and authority. The best way to do that is to pursue the way of Jesus in front of the culture, with the culture, to give them a seat at the table and say, would you join me? Or let me just say it like this, since we're already filling up the inbox for tomorrow. (laughs) Jesus doesn't call his followers to be warriors who fight on his behalf but servants who love as he loved. I'm going to say it again. Jesus doesn't call his followers to be warriors who fight each other in his name. That ain't the way we're going to do this. Jesus was very clear. He has called his followers to be servants who love as they've been loved by Jesus himself. Paul clarifies this so powerfully and so beautifully. Philippians chapter 2. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Who? Who? You. Me. Us. Or any of, any of you who identify yourself with Jesus. Now, if you're not a Christian, you can ignore this next part. However, if you're not a Christian, you would say, yeah, but that's what the world needs. That's, I'd love to see more of that. What we're getting ready to see, what we're getting ready to describe, this attitude that Jesus had that his, to his sons and daughters should have, Christians, the church, all of you who follow Jesus, same attitude. What attitude is that? He took the humble position of a slave, a servant, and he humbled himself. We're talking about a guy, we're talking about the savior of the world. We're talking about the king of kings, right? Authority, power, control. He humbled himself and died a criminal's death on a cross. If you want to see the way Jesus carried out his mission, look no further than the cross of Jesus. There you see the clearest picture of what Jesus came to do. <laughs> it's amazing. It just came to me. This is amazing. That we have in history held up the cross to fight each other. What? When Jesus hung on the cross to display love for his enemies. And hanging on that cross, you do not hear in Jesus' final words, I can't believe you're doing this. How dare you? I will have the last laugh. You just wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. And had Jesus uttered anything like that, he would have been absolutely correct, wouldn't he? But what did Jesus say hanging on the cross? Father, could you please forgive these people? 
that are killing me, nailing me to wood, laughing at me. Could, could you please forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. They don't get it. They don't understand how much we love them. That is the mission of peace. That's what Paul's talking about. He humbled himself to that point. Now, because he did that, because that's how Jesus responded to the world of conquest and hate and power and authority and control, because he responded with a mission of peace motivated by his love. Watch what the end result is. Fascinating. So counterintuitive. You keep reading Philippians 2. He humbled himself on the cross and there's coming a day that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord hmm. to the glory of God the Father. He is the man. He is the one. Do you get that? Do you understand what we just read? That Jesus establishes himself with all power and all control and all authority in the universe, but how? Not through combat, not through conquest, not through a clenched fist, but through open arms on a cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he looks at me and you, and he says, just go love them. You go love them as I have loved you. I'm telling you, mission of Jesus is a mission of peace. You, you can't get around it. How have we missed it? How have we missed it? This is the big picture. And, and next week what we're going to do is we're going to bring this down a little bit more specific to where you and I live and how this impacts me and you. You and me. And you and them, because see, Jesus was about peace, but his sons and daughters often don't get the memo. At the beginning, I asked you what says peace to you. Have you ever wondered why snow says peace to all of us? If you think about it. Have you thought about why snow is so peaceful? I mean, because really, there's science behind it. There's science behind it. I mean, no matter how hard snow falls, you don't hear it, do you? No matter, I mean, even when the flakes are the best, you know, the big chunky flakes right there, I mean, you would just think it would be no, no, it's just silent. And, and, and you know this, when you walk out and there's a blanket of snow everywhere, especially when it just finished snowing and it's nice and deep and thick, you walk out. You've ever noticed just how tranquil and peaceful and quieter everything seems? I mean, before the neighbor's kids mess it all up and their dog does his business in it, turns colors and stuff, before that, so peaceful. But there's science behind it. Here it is. The science of acoustics, of sound, snow actually buffers. Snow absorbs sound. 
It's amazing if you think about it. I mean, life is still happening. Things are still going on, but everything is just taken down a few notches when it's covered in snow. And like the falling snow, the peace of Jesus has come to do the very same thing. The peace that Jesus brings buffers a harsh world. In the middle of all of the pain, in the middle of all the problems, in the middle of all the fighting, in the middle of all of the issues, the peace of Jesus, the pursuit of the way of Jesus is meant to absorb the shock and the blows as Jesus literally absorbed up into himself the sin of the entire world because of his love and his mission of peace. He then brings that peace and buffers our lives and absorbs so much around us and in us with the peace that he brings. And you and I, as we will see next week, have a front row seat and a part to play in that mission of peace. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the reminder of not just what you came to do, but who you are. You are our peace. How have we missed it? How, how, how have we assumed that it is through combative arguing and fighting, positioning for power and authority and control, that that is how you would have us bring your love? How have we missed it? Father, forgive us. As your sons and daughters, may we join you in your mission of peace. Thank you. Thank you for making it so clear. May we not confuse what you came to do with what the world is trying to always do. Father, may we join you as servants. Servants of the kingdom of Jesus. And pursue your way in every way. And start in our own relationships, our own family, own home, our own offices, our own community. Much less our own country. Father, help me. Help me see it. Not just in lights and not just on a Christmas card. But see it. And may we experience it. In Jesus' name. Amen.